What is good, my peoples? Welcome again to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. The green half of the Green Beige Podcast is missing again today. So we are going to hold it down in his absence again with me this week. We have Ricky Nurse and Mark Thompson, our draft expert. So is it going, gentlemen? Good, good. How goes it in warm and balmy Denver? Yeah, man. Right now, it is, it is 65 degrees. It's 6.03 p.m. It's 65 degrees. We are expecting some rain this afternoon, which is not a customary thing here in the green desert that is Denver. But, no, we're taking a page out of the, the, um, the book of the Nuggets. Right now, we're just saying it feels like summer because they're, they're dealing with the sun or the suns at this point in time. What are you, Mark? How's it going? Oh, I'm I'm good. That's that's good. Um, no issues here at all. Okay. All right, glad to hear it. Had a good long weekend. We had a good long weekend here. Yeah, that is one of the things I definitely miss. Not being home <laughs> this time of year because you guys would have had Friday and Monday off, whereas we would have been. Uh, I was at home on Friday and in the office on Monday. So, yeah, that's the way how the cookie crumbles at times, you know. We've been looking at this week's episode. It's called Heaven Only Knows. Because when we were talking about the draft last <laughs> week, the closing thought that you guys gave was that Heaven Only Knew what was going to happen. We were not going to be able to feel that strongly in our predictions. And, well, I guess that's the way it went. So, off the rip... You know, we are talking about the draft, and we've had seven rounds, 253 picks, I think I saw, um, because some picks got taken away because of some shenanigans that some of these teams were up to. So, as we get this conversation going, there are always things that happen that catches you off guard. And I know that one of the things that would have got you caught off guard would have been that trade done for the Houston Texans to get back up to number three. But I think we can talk about the trades a little bit later. Outside of that one trade, what was the biggest surprise for this this draft weekend? Biggest surprise? Hmm. Um, I want to say maybe the fact that the they only had three corners um, drafted in the first round. And actually, one of the main corners, uh, he dropped over the first round. He, granted, he was picked at the top of the second round. But um, but they, but not only did they drop one dropped over, but they also just dropped lower. And I think that's because of what happened up front in the draft. It changed everything. And so you had Gonzalez, the second corner, not going before pick 17 and that pushed the corners uh down the draft board which i thought was quite interesting um that that was a bit of a that was a bit of a surprise to me because I, I i didn't think um i thought the corner four corners would definitely have been gone and possibly and then possibly an opportunity for a fifth so that that surprised me okay what were you ricky what was the biggest surprise this well i for, for me um, I, I'm going to change my mark and I get changed notes at the beginning. And 
I get changed mine because you being That's all like what happened like last week, you know? And being the great moderator and host and traffic cop that he is, he just gave me a curveball like what I gave Mark last week. So I guess we could say that I had that coming. So I'm gonna pivot here now because I like I like how Clint can phrase it other than the trade. I was gonna come with the trade. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little different. I'm gonna say my biggest surprise was that we had 17 players invited to Kansas City in what they call the green room. And traditionally, you know, if only 17 are in the green room and we have 31 picks on that opening night, one would imagine that all 17 of those prospects should be drafted on that night because you're hardly going to accept that invitation unless you have it on semi-decent authority that your player is going. We actually had four players who were left in that green room after 31 selections were made. Everyone knows about one of those players because that player, <laughs> to his credit or discredit, was very visible and his entire family circle, one could argue, that was Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. However, we had a Georgia Tech edge rusher, Keon White, who eventually went to the Patriots. So he actually didn't look very happy when that happened either. Oh we had Penn State cornerback Joey Porter Jr., who was also, I understand, not very pleased. And his, his dad, who also played in the NFL, had to perk him up for the second day. And Alabama safety, Brian Branch. So I would have to say, having watched this draft with my fellow New York um, <laughs> expert slash psycho, um, that was the biggest surprise because I, I remember when we were going through our mock draft, we made it a point to know who were the 17 prospects invited. We made it a point when we drafted to say, you know what, if we're going to split the hairs on a, on a pick, let's err on the side of these 17 that the NFL has invited. So it was the first time and certainly the, the period that I've been following the draft that I've ever been aware of four players going into day number two without being drafted. Let me also add, and this will be uh, for the purposes of our comrade AJ, who's not here, that three of those players, three of those four players opted not to come back for day number two. So we will make the joke that I know I made with Ken when this happened after the first day that they didn't have suits for day two therefore they didn't attend day number two but i think that was the biggest surprise because i've never seen a situation where four players were not drafted and were put in the unfortunate position of having to make a decision if to reappear for day number two so here's the question, oh, here's the question. as we as we are talking about this now we did a draft of 31 picks how many of these picks did we actually get right? Right in what way, sir? Mark and I also discussed this. If you are asking how many of the 31 were actually drafted in round number one, Mark, you have the answer. You know, 27. 27. 27 of 31 were actually going in round one. Now, mm -hmm. if your question, sir, pertains to how many actually went to the teams that we picked, <laughs> the answer is very different, correct, Mark? Absolutely. Not very many. Maybe it was three. Or four, correct. Three or four, correct. yeah. Correct. Yeah. So it's, we may have, yeah. we will get it would be a little better if you start looking at positions mm -hmm. that improves right. a bit. But um but certainly and we did say that at the very end of our discussion that we don't know what's gonna happen, but but at least I think 
we don't want to. I don't want to say sit here and say, okay, like we got this right and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that at least what it, what it, what it meant was that the top thirty one players, we kind of got it right. Who was going to be picked amongst those? That's a, that's what we got right. Where they went to, different story. But one thing I would point out that that Ricky absolutely nailed um, was that. Um, B.J. Robinson went to the Falcons at number eight, and we we nailed that there were two, two, two running two running backs to go in the first round. Okay, so I mean I think that what is very interesting to highlight here as well, in your guys's favor, to your credit, you picked twenty seven of the thirty one players who were going to be drafted, regardless of where they were going to go. You mm-hmm. picked the twenty. You picked twenty seven of the 31 mm-hmm. and the four that you would have gotten wrong are the four that the nfl also got wrong <laughs> by picking and bringing them uh, to the green room and then having them sit there for all of the picks to go through and then potentially decide if i'm coming back tomorrow or not so perspectives are well done I like thank you yes <laughs> so now you made mention of him, Ricky, and I think that this deserves a bit of a conversation. Will Levis. Will Levis, who had quite a bit of buzz going into the to the NFL draft. I mean, to his credit, he seemed to have been the best non-black quarterback in the draft. So the expectation was that Levis was going to find a home on the first day. And then, unfortunately for him, he was the one that the cameras were going to focus on as he is sitting there with his family and maybe one or some people are rumoring two girlfriends at the time as not being picked at all on day number one and then having the option to return on day number two. But of course, him being the high profile player that he is, he would not want to have the camera in his face all day long while he's waiting for somebody to call his name. So when Levis is falling to day two, first, well, this is a two-part question. So firstly, why do you think this happened? What caused him to fall to day number two? And the second part of this is, should this be instructive for other quarterbacks, especially for future draft years when you may not be the slam dunk number one overall pick. Maybe you don't go to the green room. Ricky, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this. Recent history, we saw a quarterback um, who was labeled as inaccurate or not the most accurate um, in Lamar Jackson have a similar fall in the eyes of some. We saw Jalen Hurts, who had a record of success at both Alabama and Oklahoma, but was labeled as not being accurate, fall to the second round in recent time. And going into this, all, all that they picked apart with Levis, it was, he was also labeled as not being accurate. Now, in fairness, when we did our mock offline, we had Levis falling out of the first round. When we did our mock last week, we went a different direction. We had Anthony Richardson as that person. So we kind of felt that one of these guys was going to fall on the basis of the criticism of, of being inaccurate. 
I do think though that there may have been some other issues uh, more related to maybe the attitude and preparation of the athlete. Because I always say, if all of those teams, with the exception of those who didn't have first round picks, such as the Rams and 49ers, um, were able to, to let you go by in a draft that ended up having a record number of quarterbacks drafted, it tells me that there had to be something beyond accuracy at play with Levis. I will say this, though. This was one year that they fooled us all because Levis and his entire family circle certainly did not expect to fall like that as well, either. What about you, Mark? What do you think happened with Levis? Um, I, I'm not sure about preparation. I, I, well, you know, I, I feel I like Levis. And I, I think he's been a little bit hard done. And people talk about his accuracy, but they're not looking at all his years. They're not looking, let's say, of 2021, for instance. And um, and they're not looking at you now who, who he has to throw to and the fact that he's had four offensive coordinators in four years. That's just my take on Levis. But anyway, he has all the attributes, all. When Josh, Josh Allen came into the 1918 draft as a 50 something percentage completion rate, the Bills traded up to get him. I think Levis's personality is what scares people a little bit. He is really out there a little bit, you know, mayonnaise in your coffee, uh, eating the <laughs> banana with the banana peel, uh, his arrogance, all of that, I think, has contributed to him dropping. And hopefully it's a lesson for him. Um, I always felt that the best fit for him was the Titans. And he eventually went to the Titans. Um, but I, I think his personality is really the, the issue at hand. Uh, I, I I really do think he has all the all the tools. I mean, people say that last year he, he you know he he probably forced it a bit. He probably some people think that he didn't he wasn't seeing feel right and I don't know. I just think that he didn't have a lot going on around him, and he had to force it a bit. I think I think time will tell though. We'll see how he does. Okay, so the question I would have with regards to Levis before we move off of him as a topic of conversation is that there are some who are looking at what happened to Levis and bringing back memories of one Josh Rosen. Oh dear. Who also <laughs> thought that he would have been picked higher than he was. And you know, he has no, he made the no infamous statement of, you know, all of these teams have made a mistake and I'm going to prove to them that they made the wrong choice by passing on me. And now Levis, as you said, he does have the reputation, be it earned or otherwise, of having a similar streak of arrogance. Do you think that this is a fair comparison? And does this, what does this, what effect would this have on his prospects going forward? Mm, I don't know. I, I, Levis doesn't show any, in my opinion, 
he's a hard worker. I, I Josh, Josh Rosen had an issue of whether he was a hard worker, you know, and having a privileged background and all that sort of thing. I don't get that with Levis. The, the, the personality and the arrogance is an issue, yes. And maybe this will humble him. I really don't know. I haven't heard him say anything. I haven't heard any statements come up for him or anything like that. I, 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 I didn't. Um, I did obviously hear about you hear what Josh Rosen said at the time, but I think um, Josh Rosen, it was thought at the time that you know, is he re does he really love the game? Um, is he really going to put in the time and effort to be a very good QB? That was what I got from. Him. I I don't get that impression. From Levis, that's not that's not what I would see. I don't see that as a downfall. Okay, well, you, Ricky. Um, a little different for me because I remember when Levis was not chosen as the starter at Penn State, he got out of Dodge in a hurry. Um, we kind of accepted that 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 he made that decision and that was well within his right as it is. But I just find it, again, instructive that those storylines resurfaced over the last three days. And you know me, guys, I always say, when I see these kind of things leaking, in inverted commas, I always ask myself, why? Because he was backing up a QB by the name of Sean Clifford, which, to his credit, he evolved and he went higher in the draft than Sean Clifford did. But... He left Happy Valley as a very unhappy camper, pun intended. And I always remember when Levis left Penn State, you know, and everybody, where is he going to go, that kind of thing. Um, he, had, he, he did have an image reconstruction to do then, and he's in a similar situation now. So uh, while I don't agree with the Rosen comparison on the basis of kind of the, the entitled rich kid, which I would would be more apt to place that comparison on my Jets, New York Jets backup, one Zach Wilson, who reminds me a lot of Rosen in the context of privilege. Um, I think Levis will have to, to, to really ensure that he don't find himself having to rework his image for a third time, because this is the second time in his career now that he's had to kind of defend behavior, you know, albeit banana peels and and mayonnaise and coffee aside. All right. So I think we've, we've given Levis enough um, airtime. He, he had enough on on um, Thursday. So Let's put this weekend. Let's put this weekend. He's on to strike three. He's had two strikes. He's on <laughs> he's up to strike three. All right. Well, that's what for his sake that he is able to, you know, get on base this time and, and get some more swings at at the ball going forward because if he strikes here, out here. no <laughs> then it's all correct right. agreed agreed all right. yeah. so this draft saw the most trades in nfl draft history with 42 trades being consummated over the three days i've been trying to find the information for all the trades can't can't nail it down just yet but what <laughs> i want to do i want to go through the first row of the draft, and you hear how that went. So first up was the Carolina Panthers via trade, selecting Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. Houston Texans, they took C.J. Stroud, quarterback, quarterback sorry, from Ohio State. 
which belied all of the conversations about his 18% score in that test that, you know, that they didn't put much stock into that. So we, hopefully for him, we'll see how good that goes. Number three overall was the Texas again via trade. They selected Bill Anderson Jr., Edge from Alabama. The Indianapolis Colts, they took Anthony Richardson, who many thought that he was the one, as you guys said too, may have been the one to slide out of the first round, but the Colts have decided to go with the most athletic quarterback in the draft. Some are saying that Richardson could be the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen. So time will tell again. But this they put at number four. Seattle Seahawks, they took the fifth pick via trade. Devon Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois. Arizona Cardinals via trade. Sixth, Paris Johnson, offensive tackle from Ohio State. The Raiders stayed at seven with Tyree Wilson, edge from Texas Tech. Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas, went to the Falcons at eight. The Eagles traded up to get Jalen Carter at nine, defensive tackle from Georgia. The Chicago Bears traded to ten for Darnell Wright, offensive tackle, Tennessee. The Titans, Peter Skoronsky, offensive tackle from Northwestern at eleven. The Detroit Lions, twelve. Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama. Green Bay Packers, 13, via trade. Luke, Lucas Van Ness, Edge, Iowa. Number 14, Pittsburgh Steelers, via trade. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle, Georgia. Number 15, New York Jets, via trade. Will McDonald, the fourth, Edge, Iowa State. Number 16, Emmanuel Forbes for the Washington Commanders, cornerback from Mississippi State. Number 17, the New England Patriots, via trade. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. Detroit Lions, 18, Jack Campbell, Lebacher, Iowa. Number 19, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kalija Kansi, defensive tackle from Pitt. Seattle Seahawks, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and, yeah, and Jigba wide receiver, mm -hmm. Ohio State. LA Chargers, Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, Texas Christian. Number 22, Baltimore Ravens, Zay Flowers, wide receiver, Boston College. 23, Minnesota Vikings, Jordan Addison, wide receiver, Southern California. We got quite a few wide receivers going here in a row. Four in a row. <laughs> Four in a row. Then, New York Giants, via trade, Deontay Banks, cornerback from Maryland. Buffalo Bills, via trade, Dalton Kincaid, tight end, Utah. Dallas Cowboys, Maisie Smith, defensive tackle, Michigan. Jacksonville Jaguars, via trade, Anton Harrison, offensive tackle, Oklahoma. Cincinnati Bengals, 28. Miles Murphy, Edge, Clemson, New Orleans Saints, via trade, <laughs> Brian Brees, Brian Breesy, defensive tackle, Clemson, Philadelphia Eagles, 30, Nolan Smith, Edge, Georgia, and then the Kansas City Chiefs, Felix Anodike Uzoma, Edge, Kansas State. So those are a lot of trades that affected just the first round, and then there's a whole ton of trades that also happened as the days went on, including a trade that was not feet well I guess it did have an effect on the draft because we had um, DeAndre Swift being traded from the Lions to the Eagles so guys tell me about what, what happened here why were there so many trades in this year's draft um, I think everybody's big board was so different that's what I think I think everybody had a completely different. You may get some teams that had only 15 graded first-round players, some teams that had 22. 
Um, and then the players weren't all the same. And people really went after needs. Um, so they really, so they trade, they were very, people were very aggressive in going after needs. So need meeting value, or in some cases, some people might argue needed necessary meet value, because I mean, the Lions, you know, you, you know, whatever you want to say, you know, they say, well, we got, we just took who we, we wanted. We want a good player and we got that. But in, in some cases, um, I think in most cases, really, it was, a, okay, we only have, um, we only have so many players and we are going to go aggressively after who we want. And um, whether that's a trend or not, I don't know, because the trades are increasing. Um, and especially, I think this draft, once you got past round three, middle four, you really, I mean, I, not thought round three, I would say, you really, it's anybody's game. I mean, there are all sorts of things going on. There are not a lot of players that you would think that may be starting. Um, you know, no no real gems necessarily. Not too many gems in the fourth round and onward. You may get a few, but not a, not a whole lot. You may get, let's say, from the running back situation because the running backs were deep or tight ends were deep. But um, other than that, I mean, even though they had a lot of good corners, they weren't necessarily as deep as those two positions. That's my my thought in relation to, to that. Okay, no problem. And shout out to AJ. He's joined us in the chat. Welcome, sir. Glad that you could sneak in here with us. Ricky, what about you? Tell me about these trades. What do you think influenced all of this trading activity? Yes, well, firstly, good evening to AJ. And let's kindly, kindly note that the Patriots um, drafted a punter and a kicker in this draft. And then, <laughs> and with that, I will say good evening to my guy, AJ. Um, oh. I, I actually think that the story behind a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, the rebirth of those plucky Detroit Lions, I believe it is the reality that you can turn it around quickly in the NFL that has a lot more teams hopeful and is putting a lot more pressure on the general managers and the ownership to have a story similar to that. So if you're an AFC team, you use the Bengals as exhibit A. And if you are an NFC team, you can use the Lions. A few years ago, you may want to use the Eagles for, for all we know. So I think that that's what's bringing a lot of hope. There are some people who would argue you can use Marcus Giants um, from last year and their playoff run and winning a first-round playoff game. So I think that if you look at a team like the Giants who found themselves in the playoffs, won a playoff game in quick time, if you look at a team like the Bengals who you know got, got a quarterback, paired them with a the right wide receiver, and in quick time they're now an AFC bully. I think that that's more than ever is what is spurring in these teams to say, look, we need to get the right person. We need to nail this draft so that we can be the, you know, the team that goes from, from worst to first in, in 24 months. All right. So AJ has asked a question here. He said that he was glad, Mark, that you mentioned the running back situation because he was a bit puzzled with Atlanta, <clears throat> excuse me, taking Bijan Robinson. I mean, you guys did predict that this was happening. So 
give him a little bit more as to <laughs> as to this Bijan to Atlanta situation. I, I, I can take this one because one I, I was Mark would tell you I was so proud when this actually happened on Thursday night. But I think that teams have the identity or a lot of teams have the identity of their of their head coach and by extension their coaching staff. So you have a situation in Atlanta where you have a head coach who said, look, I believed in a guy by the name of Derek Henry. I have built my offense around that and a strong running game. My name is Arthur Smith, and I am a runaholic. So Arthur Smith has decided, listen to me, we are going to improve this offensive line. We are going to take a philosophy that says, when I stack mine in the trenches against yours, I will find gaps. And as they say in one of those infamous NFL videos, I want a seal here and a seal here. And we can run it in the alley. And believe it or not, the Atlanta Falcons were the second most run-heavy team in the NFL last season. Um, they took a six-round running back by the name of Tyler Algier from BYU and made him into a thousand-yard, um, seven-touchdown running back. And they probably said to themselves, "If I can get this weapon." Called Bijan Robinson, I can take this approach and do it against Ken Saints and do it against those Tampa Bay Buccaneers and do it against the Carolina Panthers. And I think that it's just a case of these head coaches being very vested in their philosophy and they're going to build these teams out around that philosophy. So in this case, Atlanta is saying we know what we are. We, we're, we're not sure what our QB is, but we know that we can run the ball among the best in the league. So we are taking the weapon that gives us the best opportunity of doing so. Yeah, and, and to that point as well, Ricky, when you remember what Atlanta had last season, it's not just um, Algier that they had, but it was also Cardell Patterson who yes. was their number one ball carrying yes. option. So your Swiss Army knife. That is very. That is very true. I just if I can uh, answer AJ's question as well. Yes, he is good. But I do agree. I think because these teams are hell-bent on finding, um, what, what what would you call it? They, they, they want these assets that just give them a better offense, period. So this particular player, Bijan Robinson, you can put him in the slot and he can play a slot receiver. So he's, the versatility, I think, is what, what led to that and what also led to, which I'm sure Ken will come to, some other running back madness as we saw on the night of the first round. Yeah, so the question that you're just asking here now is, so essentially Bijan's projection is that high, that he was worth a top five pick. Generally asking because he knew he was good, but didn't realize he was that high he told it. Mark, your take on this situation with Bijan? Yeah, I mean, okay, I want to add to what, I mean, I agree with everything Ricky said, but I want to also add the fact that you have a second year QB who is also, um, you know, he's second year QB. So let's let's get the running game going. Let's get our offensive line good. Because the best um friend of a rookie QB or relatively new QB, young QB, is going to be that running game and protection. And uh so I think that's one of the major reasons why they would have gone for Bijan, other than the other than the 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 Modus operandi of Arthur Smith. But Bijan, I think you can argue 
Yeah, I think you might be able to argue that he might have been a top five player, one of the top five players in the draft. But because because running backs are so devalued, you're not expecting it to happen. We, I think along the line, we recognize that it was likely that he would pick her. I think at one point in time, we thought, oh, well, he might get picked down at number 30 near the end of the first round. But I think we quickly recognize that that he may be picked early. And that, hence, I mean, Ricky called it perfectly, uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, we, we've Everybody speculated about him going to the Eagles. Of course, when the Eagles pull off that trade with, with Swift, well, you know, obviously that's not happening anymore. Leaves the door wide open, and Falcons uh, went for it. Um, but, but just to make a little correction, Bijan was taken at number eight by the by the, by the Falcons. Um, not quite at number, not quite at number five. But I do believe that people recognize his talent. He is, uh, he's he's clearly a very good receiver and not just a running back. So he's a weapon. Yeah, so it just added that it shot him more so because he figured that they would have tried to get some defense in since they haven't had one since Moses was a toddler. Yeah. But he did salute Rick on the on the call for um, Bijan Robinson going to the Falcons. So let me, let me just let me just add that there, Mr. Moderator, that sure. both things can be true. Ricky can be right and the and the Falcons could be wrong. <laughs> very fair point so i know this is not something that i had um sent to you guys in the rundown um if you have a name you can throw it out there if you don't have a name that's fine um i'm just thinking of which team to you had the best draft and which team had the worst draft who the worst <laughs> because I, to, to, to give you a, a couple of seconds to think about it i've been because obviously like i said i'm not the biggest draft guy so i i have been looking to see what some of the experts have been saying and they've on pro football focus for example they've given some teams um between an a plus and a b that i've seen so far i've not seen anybody go so low as a c well actually no that's not true I just the Dallas Cowboys got a C plus, um, so AJ's people might not be very happy with the folks <laughs> at Pro Football Focus for that C plus grade. So, who do you think had the best draft? Let's start there. I know that is such a difficult question. I, I mean, because drafts don't you don't really know how how a draft class is going to do until you know what maybe two three years out. Mm-hmm. Um, but on paper, you said best, right? Yes, best first. Best and worst. I'm worse, sir. Yeah, best and worst. I, I mean, I think the Bengals had a really good draft. Um, I, I definitely think the Bengals had a good draft. Um, I think the Seahawks had a good draft too. Um, but I, I mean, I don't want to mention my team. But <laughs> to be honest with you, I think the Giants had a good draft too. I mean, the Giants had. In the first three rounds, three guys that were mocked to them in the first round, you know. So I mean, I would say they 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 had a good draft as well. Um, worst draft. Um, let me think about that there for a moment. Let me get get Ricky to to tell you his best and worst. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Um, for me, the best draft was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, first of all, because they ridiculously jumped my New York Jets, did a trade with the hated New England Patriots, and took Roderick Jones off the board, leaving me with no offensive tackle when it was time for me to pick at number 15. So definitely, uh, I would have to think, but when you go through the Steelers, the Steelers filled every single need, offensive, lineman, tight end, everything that they needed to improve Kenny Pickett. They went. They were the ones that were able to get Joey Porter Jr., so the cornerback need was filled. Um, so for me, the Pittsburgh Steelers were, were definitely up there because every single round, the Steelers were able to get a position of need and the position of need was generally a player that was rated in the top four or five at the position uh, on most draft boards. So wrong one, you got Broderick Jones, all right? That, that was unfortunate for those below them. You come in, you get Joey Porter Jr. You get a, a, deep, a deep defensive tackle out of Wisconsin who was um, well-rated as well, who was like the, the, the some people say the Cam Hereward of this particular draft you come and get darnell washington falling to you in round three which a lot of people had him as a potential second rounder you get um herbig a, a linebacker out of wisconsin we all know when pittsburgh draws a line uh, draft sorry a linebacker or what you see how that goes and then in round seven criminally they allow you to get a cornerback out of purdue called corey trice who a lot of people had as a sleeper so it was it was one of those nights for me. I know a lot of people rated other teams. The worst draft for me was very, very simple. It was the San Francisco 49ers who used pick number 99 for a kicker out of the University of Michigan by the name of Luke Moody. Jake I mean, Moody. you could ask. You, Jake, huh? Jake Moody. <laughs> Jake, sorry, Moody. Sorry, sorry. Um, you, you could feel the buzz um, on whatever network you were watching it at or whatever um, whatever YouTube channel you were watching it on when that happened because nobody saw that come in, including Mr. Moody and his family, who I'm sure were just as shocked as the rest of us. But then the rest of the draft for the 49ers were not that good either. And the irony is that you don't even know some of the assets that they were drafting, are they drafting them to suit Mr. Brock Purdy? Or are you drafting them to suit Mr. Trey Lance? So all in all, um, the the 49ers left us all scratching our heads. Okay. So before I, I go through um, what I was saying, making notes of very quickly as you guys were speaking. Um, so AJ... He said that the Pats had the worst draft. He has no, no great analysis to matter. No, he just has no. history to go by. <laughs> and that they drafted a corner in the first round who's probably going to develop well and then get traded when it's time to pay him. So, I mean, then I think AJ is speaking off of a lot of emotion. That is my Green Bay's brother, but at the it's same time... Trigger. It's, I trigger. Have, it's trigger warnings. Trigger. Yes. He, he has had some very rough moments in the draft in the past. So, to the names that you guys have suggested, 
I'm going according to the pro football focus ratings. Let me so can my, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, so go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to say that I had a thought about worse draft. Go ahead. Um, Give it and, to me. Uh, I, I, Patriots and Rams, kind of iffy drafts, but I think the Jags and the Jaguars the and the Chargers did not have good drafts. Those two. Mm. They definitely did not. Especially, I, I'm not sure which one between the two, but they did not have a good draft at all. <laughs> okay. Those, yeah. Go ahead. All right. No problem. I'm just trying to find where the Jaguars fell on this page so I can make a note of their grade. Okay. Got it. All right. So, to Mark, you said the Bengals. You thought the Bengals had one of the best drafts. Or yeah. They, they were given an A, according to Pro Football Focus. The Seattle Seahawks were also given an A by Pro Football Focus. <laughs> the Giants were given mm-hmm. an A plus, so yeah, they yeah. have one of the best drafts. <laughs> Ricky, you said the Steelers. The Steelers yes, did, also received an A plus grade on their draft. <laughs> Another team that got an A plus on their draft that was not mentioned by you or even by AJ, who's out there bemoaning his pots. The Philadelphia Eagles also received an A plus grade on their draft. You might to, know why I may not mention that. Of course. <laughs> so <laughs> no to AJ's pots. The Patriots were given an A minus on uh, their draft. So AJ, there is some hope. At least poor football focus thought that your draft was much better than you think it was. Mm-hmm. The Los Angeles Rams, they received an A minus for oh. their draft. And the Chargers also received an A minus for their draft. No. Ricky, here's where you can pat yourself on the back again. Oh, dear. Because the San Francisco 49ers, by my scrolling, have received the worst grade of everyone. Yes, thank you. They got a C minus. Thank you. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) And then the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got a B. They got a B for their draft. It just says he's seeing into the future. So I guess Mark, as you said, you know, in two to three years, yeah. we will we will see just how good or how poor this draft was for everyone. Um, it just says that they drafted two receivers in in one round, and he has a feeling that both don't make the active roster. <laughs> the thing is, in in the past, I would just have laughed that off when AJ said that, but. In recent time, I have learned not to laugh at those comments by AJ anymore <laughs> because he has been quite prophetic um, of late when it comes to his Patriots and the results of their draft. Especially so in six, position. That's in round six. Especially. Yeah, because in round six, it took Keishon Boot from LSU. Yeah, Boot from LSU. Well, I find it interesting, too, on that note for AJ because... They lost um, Damian Harris, who's gone on to Buffalo as a free agent, mm-hmm. and they didn't draft a running back. No. So it was a little strange, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 kind of odd. All right, Jets. So, now we're looking at the picks themselves. 
who do you believe would be the biggest or best value pick? Um, so a player relative to position drafted for their team. Who do you believe will give the most sneaky value of all of these players drafted this weekend? I'm going to let Mark start with this one. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, I am tempted to say, I'm tempted to say the running back, BJ um, Robinson, um, mm-hmm. at number eight. I, you know, maybe, um, he could be considered. Um, you know what? But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go something different. I am going to go with Christian Gonzalez, at number mm-hmm. seventeen, to the Patriots. Because I had him rated as my number one corner. And I certainly did not expect him to drop to 17. I thought he would have been definitely a, a, a you know, not get past 10. Um, but the way how the draft went with the trades, it, it obviously pushed down. But at the same time, there was opportunity for him to go possibly before. But I guess, as I said, people were really going needs, you know, meeting value. And um, so I was surprised that Christian Gonzalez dropped all the way to 17 to the Patriots. That surprised me. So I think that's the I think that's probably the best value. Okay. so just before you go, Ricky, so it just said that he thinks that the Patriots picked up James Robinson. formerly. Oh, yes. As a free agent. Yeah. So, yeah, you did. It did. Yeah, so that is why they probably did not go the road of running back in the draft. All right, Ricky. So who do you believe is going to be the best value pick of the players drafted this weekend? All right. Again, I'm going to go to prong on my answer here. In round number one, I will go with Nolan Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles, who they got with pick number 30. And uh, again, um, how, we, how we annoyed everyone with the fact that this player fell to them because albeit he's been described as undersized mark reminded me earlier today that teams can find a way and a role for those kind of players and he could be undersized until it until they find out some pharmaceuticals to get him oversized or right size <laughs> but um so i have to go with nolan smith on the talent that is um, the player, even though the size may not be ideal as he enters the draft. To get a player of his quality at pick number 30 in the first round, definitely um, a steal by the Eagles. Um, in terms of outside of that round, I will go with the quarterback that the Lions selected in round three, Hendon Hooker, um, mm-hmm. simply because... We have seen it in recent times with, and I'll repeat this, with a Jalen Hurts, where you can get a quarterback. It's not a first-round draft pick. Work their tail off. Get the offense adjusted or tweaked to suit the, the, the talents of the player. And then all of a sudden, you have a situation, as we, as we saw with Eagles and Hurts. Uh, so I think that um, he's a player that I followed at Tennessee, 
Um, and I, I, I think he can learn and grow from there. So that he may be one of those people that ends up being a 10-year starter, for example. For the Lions, if we look back on it and say, did you know he was a, a second-round um, NFL, sorry, a third-round NFL draft pick? Yeah, no. Like I said, no, I'm not the biggest draft guy. So I was not, I had heard the name Hendon Hooker heading into the draft. I had no idea until you mentioned it just now, Ricky, that Hendon Hooker fell all the way to the third round. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Part of it was his injury. Mm-hmm. Right? He has an ACL. And, yeah. you know, may likely, who knows when he will be able to play it. But that's part of it. Yeah, because I'm I'm still here on the Pro Football Focus website, and it says they're because they actually gave like a little blurb, a little paragraph on on every player that was picked. Right. They said, "I'm um, Lions quarterback Jared Goff has two years remaining on his contract, so the Lions are wise to draft a potential successor behind him." Hooker fell in the draft after an unfortunate ACL tear at the end of the 2022 season that took him out of a Heisman race. But he earned a 93.4 passing grade on deep throws and is great in a clean pocket. If he can improve under pressure once healthy, he could prove to be a great pick. So, yeah. I I will be forced to agree with you there, Ricky, that Hendon Hooker, he is well positioned, especially when you don't pick him in the first round, that he can be um, the guy going forward. Now, AJ says, Mark, I like your selection, but it just confirms my fears. This is another J.C. Jackson situation in the making. Mm-hmm. He could he could be right. Again, both things could be right. true. It could be a fantastic <laughs> draft pick and then four years from now he walks. That is true. Yeah, very true. So let's see what Pro Football Focus had to say about Mr. Gonzalez. Because I, I don't know, Mr. Gonzalez. I mean, there have been like, you know, there have been a, quite a few little gems throughout. I mean, a center like Luke Whipler, I think, went, if I remember memory serves me correctly, somewhere down in like <clears throat> round six, you know? I mean, there are a few little gems around the around around there, you know? And I think he's a pretty good center, so I, I to get him in round six, you know, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so... What Pro Football Focus says about Mr. Gonzalez is that the Patriots moved down to 17th overall. They added a fourth-round pick and still landed the second-best cornerback on the PFF big board. So, mm-hmm. yep, that's that's good for them. All right. So, so now that we've talked about the the one that might be the best value, you know, there's always the other side of things. <laughs> Who is the biggest reach? Ricky, start with you on this one. Who do you think is the biggest reach? Well, before we get to that, AJ has a question in the chat. He wanted to ask you guys. I guess you mostly discussed it, but Tennessee moving up. No, we talked about it from Levis' position. But with Tennessee moving up to get Levis, is this the end now for Millie Willis, or is it just competition for the young man? I would agree that this is looking like the beginning of the end for young Malik Willis. Um, because let's be real. Tennessee don't want to invest in one quarterback furthermore too. So I think that Mr. Willis's days are numbered and yeah, you, you hate to see it because he too fell to round three last year. 
when he had um, rumors of first round capital. But again, when you when you hear these teams allow this kind of talk to be leaked, you start to question the reason why. And we were hearing the talk of, you know, they're not happy with Willis. Um, they are going to go and get a quarterback because they're not happy with Willis. The fact that they are that they allow that kind of narrative to be spun so openly in the lead up to a draft or during the, the weekend of the draft, you know, the, these franchises know why they do that to these players, unfortunately. So I think I think his his days may be numbered. Let's put it this way. He could not have played as bad as my backup QB1, Zach Wilson. And you don't hear that kind of talk openly swirling about Zach Wilson. You hear this narrative that, you know, they're going to try to work with him and he's going to be mentored by Aaron Rodgers. Well, we don't hear that Malik Willis can be mentored um, by Tannehill, but I guess that's because Tannehill came out and blatantly said he's not going to mentor him. So it's, un it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, also Tannehill is supposedly also on the outs with the yes. Titans. So right. he, Correct. he won't be there to mentor anybody. At the rate that this is currently going, um, so it just it's had no idea that Willis's narratives were being discussed. Something in terms oh, yes. of just his play was deemed not good enough. No, they they were they were making un the unfortunate comments about not studying the playbook, not having or demonstrating the work ethic, um, those kind of things. The same things that we see, unfortunately, with certain quarterbacks in the lead up to the draft. Those things were, were being spun last week um, as it relates to Willis. So I think that that was just Tennessee setting setting up the narrative so that people wouldn't be too much shock and awe when they reached and selected um, Levis. Yeah, I think I think it's clear. If you 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 draft the quarterback last year and you draft known this year, clearly you are saying that the quarterback you drafted last year, we ain't happy with him. So. Mm -hmm. I think you see how that goes. Yeah. So now you mentioned the word reach, Ricky. That brings us right <laughs> yes. back to the biggest reach. Yes. Mark, I'll let you take this one first. Oh, Who is okay. the biggest yes. reach? Sorry, Mark. For My biggest reach. reach may not be a popular choice, but I'm going to say it anyway. A. Richardson. Quarterback mm. for the Colts. <laughs> oh, boy. I Here think that's crazy. <laughs> I think it's crazy to pick someone with one year experience starting, um, 50 something percent completion rate. He has all the tools, don't get me wrong, physical specimen and all that. I can't think of any one year starter that has been successful in the NFL. I can't think of any. I can think of some who have not been. And um, so, I mean, we could think of uh, Trubisky. We can think of um, oh, what, the boy who went who was who wanted to go to the Giants but end up going to Commanders that passed that got hit in the highway. Right. Um, yes. Um, Haskins. 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 He's a one-year starter. Um, yeah. I. I. I mean, he obviously he has to go and sit, or should go and sit and learn. And I'm not suggesting that um, he might not turn out to be a, a very good quarterback, but I do think he's a reach at number four. That's my opinion. 
Absolutely. Okay, interesting. No profile ball focus, not for the individual pick, but of course this would have a great um, influence on it. They gave the course an A plus rating for their draft. And they the main mention of Anthony Richardson's um, athleticism, <clears throat> that he has a very high ceiling and that, you know, he's arguably the most incredible athlete at the quarterback position we've ever seen, where he missed, he forced 39 missed tackles in the just concluded um, college football season. Ricky, yeah. what about you? Who but, is your biggest, well, before, yeah, Mark, I, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say something. I mean, a quarterback is not supposed to miss 30, force 39 mm -hmm. mistakes. That's not the job of the quarterback. Joey quarterback is the ball. Right? Haters, haters, haters. Well, I can't, I mean, I mean, yes, physical special, all of that, all those actors. I want to see him making the decisions, seeing the right reads, and distributing the ball where it's supposed to be to get to. That's what the quarterback what, is What was the completion percentage of one Daniel Jones coming out of Duke, sir? I'm wrong, 60%. All right, all right, all yeah, right. It was, yeah, it wasn't 50-something percent. It was 60%. Man, you, you went to school long enough to know that you can get from 57% to 60%. Well, I mean, Josh Allen, went, Josh Allen went from 50-something to 60-something. Uh -huh. But he was, right. but he had more experience playing. I'm not suggesting that he can't do it. He had more experience playing. Um, and it's also who you're throwing the ball to. We know this, right? If you if you if you do have people to catch the ball, that's not going to help your percentage completion. So, but I'm just saying, I, I'm not again. He's a physical specimen, and I don't know how smart he is. But if he's really smart and he puts in the work, he can succeed. But for me, it's a reach. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, again, um, I, I get the criticism. But in defending him and other quarters, they say this. He can't get experience unless someone gives him an opportunity to get experience. So that's why I'll give him a I'll give him a blade for now. Mm -hmm. Um my biggest reach was the Detroit Lions. They were in position six, traded away, picked up additional assets, moved down, and then moved back up to get to 12 to take Jameer Gibbs. Now, well, I feel feel good about the fact that Mark and I had two running backs going in the first round, contrary to what a lot of the other experts, quote-unquote, said. And I did have that person being Jameer Gibbs, ironically, going to the Philadelphia Eagles, who then eventually got a running back and fulfilled their running back needs via the same Detroit Lions in the, in the DeAndre Swift trade. I don't understand where you move out of six, where you obviously had an opportunity at Bijan Robinson. Move down, so you say, okay, we're not going to waste the draft capital on Bijan Robinson or on a running back. Move down, and then somehow press the panic button and say, oh, oh no, 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 let's go back up so that we can get to 12, so we can take Jameer Gibbs before somebody else takes him. So that was very confusing for me. And why they call it a reach is that if you are looking for one of these two top tier running backs, but ought not to take Bijan at six, move down and then take Jameer Gibbs at 12. It means that as Mark was telling me before we came on air, maybe the Lions thought they could get down to 12 and still land Bijan at 12. 
So something went wrong for Detroit in the in in that period that they went back up then to twelve to get Jameer Gibbs. So AJ says that Detroit was doing Detroit things. Yeah, they were, they were certainly not biting the caps, but they were stumbling. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what we see happen on draft night. I mean, as much as they say I'm not much of a draft guy, I do understand strategy. So if you can tell yourself, well, we can get something, we can get more from moving backwards and staying put in the position that we're in, and we're comfortable going down to get who we think is going to fall to us, then that's what we're going to do. But in Correct. a situation like this now, where you move down, and then the guy you expected to fall to you drops off the board, then it's like, no, what are we going to do? Do we wait? Because more than likely they would have been looking at the teams above them and saying, well, they don't want a running back. They're most likely not going to take a running back. And then the best running back goes, maybe it's, it's a good idea for me to get back up this board as quickly as I can to secure what Pro Football Focus had ranked as the second best running back in the draft. Yeah. I mean, it was clear that they were, they were going to take a running back because of what they did leading up to the draft. Right? So, clearly they were going to take take a running back. But they definitely misread the situation because they thought they, they would have had their, you know, their choices, you know, anybody. Mm-hmm. But the Falcons messed them up and they panic and I thought and definitely said, look, we got to get Gibbs. Agreed, and it goes back to what AJ was saying earlier, where you these teams, and Mark said this as well, these teams had different draft boards. The concept of assigning value to players was all over the shop. So this record number of trades and trade backs and trade down and trade out was because people had different assessments of what, what player value was and which player was top of the board, who was second, and so on. So you saw these moments of panic. Um, I read an article right before we came on where um, the GM of the Arizona Cardinals said that that trade they did with Houston was confirmed with two minutes left on the clock and that they had three um, suitors at the time when the time started and they made the deal with Houston with two minutes left um on the clock so that was just very interesting to see of course he never mentioned who the other two suitors were of course mm-hmm. of course we yeah no, it's, yeah it's interesting stuff for sure i mean you never know you see like okay like because i follow obviously my giants quite a bit i mean um everybody wondered well why did the giants move up one from 25 to 24 to get the banks um, and they gave up a seventh and a fifth. And you know, uh, earlier in the in the in the draft, um, the Eagles moved from ten to nine, higher position, and gave up a twenty twenty four pick. So it depends on desperation at the time. I mean, right before that, I mean, Giants went into the draft knowing that they need your wide receiver or corner. Right before that, they had four consecutive. Um, right receivers that went off the board and then they were left with two cornerbacks that they might take joy porter or deontay banks you said if they're okay with either one then they don't have to move up 
clearly they saw the Andre Banks as as higher grade, higher grade than Joey Porter, so they moved up. The the other the, the flip side of that, what I heard is that the Raiders were looking to trade back into the first round to get the Andre Banks. So the Giants said, "Well, we're not taking any chances. We're going to take the guy that we want." So there are these little backstories all the time, you know, and you never know. Yep, we will never know. We will <laughs> never know because the story, as um, Bujibanta says, the fullness has never been told. So, as we are about to get out of here, I want you guys to take a look at your big boards, take a look at the draft, and tell me, who do you believe is the player? Taken on this weekend, best positioned for success on the the second of May, before we go to training camp and everything. Who do you think is best positioned for rookie success? Hmm. Hmm. This is an excellent question. Yeah, excellent question. You, the temptation is that you would pick a quarterback. Yeah, but I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. I am gonna say that um Bijan Robinson is set up for success. I think um that Falcons have done enough with their O line that he should, and, and given that the, the, the their offense is likely going to be um, based on the running game, I think uh, he's a he's a guy that's well set for success. That's my opinion. Okay. Well, what about you, Ricky? Um, I think that I am going to go a little different, and I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Zay Flowers from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because we've all lamented Baltimore has no weapons, Lamar has no weapons. Um, in comes Todd Monken, who basically will call four pass plays on three dumps. <laughs> and you've had this offseason where... The national narrative has been, well, you haven't given Lamar the weapons. Where Lamar said, okay, that's it. I'm out of here. And everything went full circle where you were able to resign Lamar, get this five-year deal, bring in these weapons, and bring an OC who is known for throwing it on first, don't throwing it on second, don't throwing it on third, don't throwing it on fourth. Down. So to me, if OBJ does what he's done in the last few years, he can be out a few games over the course of a 17-game season. You got Nelson Aguilar, which, I mean, the next ball he catch will be the first. Um, so, basically, Bateman. Lamar has Lamar Andrew. Pardon? Bateman. Uh, he, I starting to put it him injured. in the... Yeah. Right. I started to put him in the handle with Kier, um box, so you're quite right. So, for me, young Zay Flowers, who I call the good Antonio Brown, um, comes into this opportunity with yeah with an opportunity to step right in and be even if he's not the lead pass catcher which Mark Andrews may still be 
he has the opportunity to be the number two pass catching option on the offense that's gonna accentuate throwing the ball a lot more so i i do think zay flowers would be the rookie that is best uh position for rookie success all right well thank you very much gentlemen you have educated me and i'm sure you've educated those who have watched and those who are listening to this podcast quite a bit because i i just can't get into the college game the games play at times where i can't watch them anyway so i depend on your expertise to help prepare me for what is to come no at this point we know that the nfl at least in terms of the news cycle it tends to fall into the background because everything was now leading up to the draft and from the draft the next thing we have to look forward to is rookie uh, mini camp and then full training camp which usually happens somewhere around june july so the nfl is going to get a little bit quiet and then it's going to get really going again i guess around august or so aj apologizes sorry i can't i couldn't be there tonight james but appreciate y'all for coming on and granting me some insight as well yes we we do not take your time and your expertise for granted and we appreciate any time that you can come and give us some of it here now with that said we are this is going to be the the end of tonight's episode next week we are going to be doing a bit of a pivot because the basketball playoffs are on there's a game currently playing i have not been following it tonight i've been very focused here as to what we were talking about so i have no idea what's going on with the knicks and heat i know that jimmy butler is not playing so i hope for the knicks sake that they're actually doing well in this game because if they don't and jimmy's back next game i think that the brooms are going to be coming out but would, would, would you would you like a live update sir yes please go right ahead with five minutes and 38 seconds left in the third quarter miami heat 68 new york Knicks 66. oh dear that game is way too close when, <laughs> when this uh, player is not playing and with um what's remember the Knicks have two injured players too but they're playing but they're not but injured ah okay yeah i know julius Randle was yeah, supposed you, to come you, back tonight you recognize that this is a Knicks fan long suffering <laughs> <laughs> Mark, come I on. See, I just speaking the facts. I'm staying the facts. The New York Rangers lost to my New Jersey Devils last night in Game Seven. For those of you scoring at home, well, uh, I can't <laughs> say anything because I don't really have a hockey team, um, except that I, I, I heard everybody talking about the Avs, the Avalanche, and the Avalanche. You know, they were the defending champions, and then they actually sat down to watch a hockey game, and they got beat in Game Seven <laughs> by the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, so I want you to watch the Golden State Warriors tonight so they would lose. Thank you. No, I watched them on Sunday and they won, so you, you gotta be careful with that. But anyhow, let's 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 end it here, fellas. I again thank you so much. And again, thank you to everyone who has spent any time with us. We always invite you to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube or on Facebook, especially if you're on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, hit the notification bell so that you can be told whenever we are live. If you're listening to us, wherever you get your podcast, we thank you for your time as well. Spread the word. Green Beach is always looking to bring more people in to our fam- into our family so that we can continue to grow this platform. 
we will be talking basketball next week. We have a guest coming on to talk about what's happening in these NBA playoffs. We haven't touched them for the last couple of weeks because it has been draft time. But next week, we will be here again to talk some basketball. So, for Ricky Nurse, for Mark Thompson, I am Ken and AJ. He was absent again tonight. But we do thank you once again and we will see you next time.